Welcome to Level with Emily. This is music from the game Okami, played by instrumentalist Kristen Nagus. She's the flute you're hearing right now for a video game's live performance. Kristen has performed on dozens and dozens and dozens of game soundtracks, including some film and TV. And after years of hearing composers talk about her, and hearing her playing in soundtrack after soundtrack, I finally decided to ask her to be on level, and I'm so glad. I list a fraction of her credits in the early moments of our discussion, so you'll hear some of those credits very shortly. The list is so long and wonderful, it's amazing. Kristen's primary instruments are oboe and English horn, but as you'll hear in our conversation, she plays dozens of instruments in the wind and woodwind family. In addition to oboe and English horn, she plays all kinds of traditional Western instruments like flute, clarinet, bassoon, saxophone, but also non-traditional instruments like uh, penny whistles, pan pipes, duke, and literally a few dozen other world instruments. Uh, With regards to the music you're going to hear in this episode, about a half an hour in, maybe 25 minutes or so, we talk about some of her favorite classical pieces to play. So the music examples that I insert in those uh, samples are not of Kristen playing, but uh, other than those three, which would be the Dvorak Symphony 9, Rimsky-Korsakov's Scheherazade, and the Rodrigo uh, Guitar Concerto, everything else you'll hear other than those three samples That's all Kristen. Kristen on recorders, Kristen on penny whistles, oboe, English horn, melodica, clarinets, flutes, so, so, so many things. It's it's amazing. She's great. Please join us on Discord. You can talk to us about this and many other episodes or other music you love. Uh, The link is in the show notes. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll see this conversation there. And become a patron if you can support us financially. You can do that at patreon.com slash level. All right, here we go with Kristen Nagus. Well, thank you again. I've been literally wanting to do this for years, and uh, I think probably hearing... Oh, that's Kristen for the billionth time. I was like, yeah, I just, I have to. So um, it's just been so fun to hear you over the years and to like every year, it seems like someone new is like, Kristen is my musical soulmate. And and I love that. So, um, so thanks for, for that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Like I said, it's, I've gotten to sit and listen to you talk to all my friends and now I get to join their ranks. Exactly. <laughs> Finally. Exactly. So, I mean, just introduce yourself and, and uh, then we'll just kind of, I think, hit the ground running with all kinds of fun things to talk about, but, but go ahead and just tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. Uh, my name is Kristen Nagus. I currently live in Orlando, Florida, and I, well, up until recently, used to start this by saying I'm an oboist, um, which I am. I play oboe and English horn in a bunch of orchestras, maybe half dozen or so around the state of Florida. And I record all the woodwinds for video games and TV and other various projects remotely. Yeah, I mean, and that's incredible. And we're going to get into all of that. But uh, you know, just to, what's a woodwind? Like, I mean, I, I'm a trumpet player, so I take these things for granted, but can you kind of explain what that means when you say you play woodwinds? Woodwind, as in an instrument that produces sound by air vibrating through it. 
Um, of course, you can say wind that encompasses both woodwinds and brass because you both are blowing air through an instrument. Uh, but this, I'm talking about the flutes and the reeds in this yeah. case, you can see bunch behind me anyway. <laughs> there are. I love the bassoon, ran, rando bassoon, a clarinet. <laughs> and Eng, is that the English horn there? That is the English horn. The yep. oboe is behind it. I was I was using these about 12 hours ago. So okay. in away. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm t- the first time I ever heard you, I didn't know that I was hearing you, but looking back in your credits, I'm like, oh my God, Laura Croft in the Temple of Osiris. Are you kidding me? That was ages ago, right? And it was. Uh, I'm just gonna, let me see. I neglected to pull up my list of questions here. Let me, I'm just gonna, just for funsies, read some of your credits, if you don't mind. Uh Um, because this is, this cracks me up. All right. And this, again, this is a fraction. This is like maybe a third. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so Lara Croft, Temple of Osiris, uh, Aragami 1 and 2, Abzu, Farpoint, Various Minecraft mythology projects, the Egyptian one, the Norse one, the Chinese one, Moss 1 and 2, Darksiders Genesis, Hades, The Pathless, Orion, The Will of the Wisps, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Ambition, A Minuet and Power, Chicory, A Colorful Tale, Psychonauts 2, Return to Monkey Island, Multiverse, Horizon Forbidden West. And again, that's just some of them. So that's insane. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Where did it start for you? Where did it start? I mean, it started with me always wanting to be a soundtrack musician as opposed to my friends in university who were there to learn how to take auditions and become part of a symphony orchestra, which is generally what they set you up to do. You finish school, you start taking auditions wherever they end up being, and then you compete for one chair with 50 other people who show up and then you hopefully move there and start your new job, which mm-hmm. is great. I love playing in orchestras, but I always loved soundtracks the most, uh, movies, uh, TV, video games, everything. Um, so when I was you know, frustrated in school that no one would really have an answer to the question, how do you do that besides move to LA? And that's not something I could do. Um, I was just making covers by myself for fun. I thought, well, if I can't play this music, I'll just, you know, do it for myself. And I had Cakewalk Home Studio, uh, which my parents got for both myself and my brother just for fun. Then I would sequence midis and add free sound fonts to them and then record with a little bad computer mic uh, some of my instruments, mostly just my oboe, because that's actually I didn't have all that much when I was in uh, school as far as you know extra instruments. I had the oboe and the English horn. And uh, I would upload them. I started uploading them around 2014, I guess, 2015. No, even earlier than that, more like 2012 to YouTube. And so two things happened at once when I started putting covers on YouTube. Uh, The composers of the original music started finding them and reaching out. And then fans of the music itself also reached out and we became friends, you know, internet friends, pen pals. It It was a lot smaller back then. And started inviting me to the festivals that are out there, MAGFest. Um, I don't think I did GameSoundCon for a while, but mostly just MAGFest. And uh, we can get to, you are mentioning Temple of Osiris, which is an opportunity I get got because I went to my first MAGFest. Oh, wow. And uh, it all comes down to meeting people who like video game music and eventually had a use for one single remote live 
instrument on the project. <laughs> Which it turns out is dozens upon dozens upon dozens of people who need that. So Yes, now uh, especially, which is nice. <laughs> right, fortuitous. I mean, to me, you were uniquely set up uh, to do that. those things, you know, a decade ago. Like you said, it was a much smaller crowd then of mm -hmm. people doing that. Um, and and I have a lot of things to say about that, but also you were obviously uniquely uh, set up to do that during the pandemic where a lot of people suddenly were like, oh my God, I can't record my trumpet at home or whatever. And mm -hmm. you're like, well, I can record these 76 instruments at home. And uh, so that's, that's interesting. That's like some technological uh, foresight that you had. <laughs> right. Yeah. By the time the pandemic uh, hits, I was already doing this for several years. And so yep. nothing really changed um, except for more people needing <laughs> remote musicians, right. which was great. Uh, whereas everyone else either had to start to figure out on their own how to do this and go through all the same research and trial and error that I did, or they were hesitant to, you know, try any of it. You know, I don't want to record. I want to do everything live. I miss playing live, which is completely legitimate because, you know, I missed yeah. it too. Yeah. Um, my whole orchestra career was wiped out for the better part of a year. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and before we get back to games, what orchestras do you play in? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, if it's an orchestra around the state of Florida, um, I'm probably in it, or at least have subbed in it. So I have the Ocala Symphony in Ocala, Florida, you know, Gainesville Orchestra in Gainesville, Florida, the Orlando Philharmonic, the Space Coast Symphony, the Brevard Symphony. Um, I do extra gigs anywhere from Jacksonville down to Miami. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes when you know a show will come through, whether it's the Zelda Symphony, Pokemon Symphony, when those were a thing. Or someone like Johnny Mathis will be in town in a couple cities and they need the local band to supplement his core players. Mm -hmm. um, I'll get called for that. Wow. So it's it's a variety. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, so was oboe your first instrument? I would find that hard yes. to believe. It was, it seriously. Yes. You never played piano. You didn't play clarinet first. It was straight to the freaking oboe. Straight to the oboe, yeah. <laughs> I love um, how you took out the freaking. <laughs> no, I mean, because that's a it's it's a very difficult instrument to play. I mean, it just is, right? Yeah, although no one told me that when I right. started. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the short version of that. I I mean, I had no interest in the piano. Um, I then learned enough of it in college because you had to. Um, but yeah. I wanted to play the flute. Uh, it was pretty, and it was also the only instrument I knew pretty much. Uh, mm -hmm. And my mom, who played the flute through college, said, no, you can't do that because <laughs> <laughs> there are too many flute players. And I guess she pictured me just like not surviving very well in a group of 20 flute players. Yeah. And so my parents sat me down. I sort of vaguely remember this, sat me down as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, whatever I was, with mm -hmm. recordings of different instruments. And I picked out the sound of the oboe. I said, I like that one. Oh, and cool. they said, okay, sure, you can play the oboe. And as luck would have it, a Detroit Symphony oboe player lived three minutes from our house. And she oh, was wow. taking beginner students, which at this point, I don't know if I could. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that worked out pretty well. I started right on oboe. And my middle school band director was a bassoon player. So we were allowed to start on oboe, bassoon, something like that. Whereas I think nowadays you can't. You have to start on flute or saxophone and go somewhere else from there. Right. I do love, though, that there is a flute in the background. So clearly you still kind of got your way. <laughs> yes. <the> joke's <laughs> on my parents because now I play everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I mean, a lot of those instruments share fingerings or at least share certain halves of fingerings, right? Yeah, there are similar uh, mm-hmm. fingerings, although bassoon and clarinet are some outliers because they get yes. real strange. Yeah. And also, I might point out that flute is the flute that my mom played in college. Oh, no kidding. Um, <laughs> and the, the clarinet was my dad's. Oh, and, amazing. Uh, they both had them fixed up for me for Christmas and there they are. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So after oboe, um, you know, I think oboists, if you go far enough, you're bound to learn English horn because it's a very common thing for oboes to double on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's in, in if my memory serves, that's kind of where it usually ends with oboists. You know, it's like oboe and, and English horn. You don't see oboists lugging a flute around or a bassoon. And of course, not like a penny whistle or a deduke or anything. So, uh, mm-hmm. so where did it go after after you learned those instruments? Yeah, it's usually not the oboe players that are the doublers because we have enough on our plate with this instrument. It's True just that. so difficult and so high maintenance. And a lot of the times we're satisfied with this instrument and, and specializing on and, and dedicating our lives to it, which is great. And I don't think I ever want to give up the sort of identity that is being an oboe player. I put so much work into it. And um, my favorite instrument of all time is the English horn. So if I could only play one for the rest of my life, it would be that one. was obsessed with it the moment that I started playing the oboe. I wanted to play the English horn. My parents were like, we just got you an oboe. (laughs) (laughs) But that carried me through most of actual college because you don't have time to do any other instruments unless you're planning on going into music education, Mm. in which case you get to do the, you know, saxophone 101 and get basic lessons on on all of them. Um, But at the same time as, you know, being an oboe student, I always had an interest in playing other instruments or, you know, at least listening to other instruments because I like how they all sound. I thought it would be really cool to to not be limited to just one instrument and get to play a bunch of sounds. And, And a lot of it also stems from my listening to soundtracks that had instruments I couldn't necessarily identify off the bat. And I would go, I don't know what that is, but I want to make that sound. And uh, that would lead to uh, lots of research and and studying and listening to more music and everything. Um, But as soon as I was out of college, like I said, uh, no one could tell me not to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I kind of started picking up the the instruments from there. Mm -hmm. I already had a couple, you know, penny whistles and a duduk, because if you're an oboe player, that's sort of a natural uh, instrument to gravitate towards Mm -hmm. because double reeds. Yeah, no, they're yeah. very different double reads, and I don't have to make the reads for the Duke. Fortunately, <laughs> I uh, love. But yeah, how, kind of. Yeah, go on, go on. I was just saying it. The the instrument collection kind of uh, started growing exponentially after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, oboe. You you mentioned making the reads, which that is a very big part. Like you guys have reed making class in college and stuff, and probably before yes. that, if you're really into it, right? So it's like, it's it's a a, it's you can't be an oboe player without that 
piece of it, right? And yes. bassoon, bassoon too, correct? Um, correct. That's very common for bassoon players. I assume you make your own bassoon reads too. No. Oh, you don't? Okay. <laughs> I okay. do not make bassoon reads because, one, I don't play it nearly enough to justify the uh. expensive equipment purchases and oh. all that time. Um, so I buy my bassoon reads from my colleagues in orchestra because sure. they know what they're doing and uh, they last a lot longer than oboe reads anyway. Okay. So I've got okay. a few that I can rotate. And if I ever need a new one, I'll just, you know, call up my friend and say, hey, here's some money. That's awesome. I didn't realize they use different equipment. I mean, I knew that the reed itself, the actual wooden reed part is bigger on a bassoon, but yes. it didn't occur to me that they would have different machinery to make them. Oh, yes. Every double reed instrument has its own set of equipment because the reeds are different sizes. So sure. you need the machines to fit the cane. Oh, wow. Amazing. Uh, if you play English horn, that's another set of, you know, machinery. And uh, oboe d'amore is different. Piccolo oboe is mm. different. Bassoon, contra, everything else. Wow. Wow. I mean, I seriously, I knew that they were different sizes, but it didn't. Wow, that's amazing. That's yeah, that's that's a commitment for sure. Now on your um, on your website, you list um, I think it's fourteen. Yeah, you you list fourteen traditional Western symphonic instruments that you play. So that's you know oboe, flute, bassoon, English horn, uh, oboe d'amore, which you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and bass oboe things, things that sometimes, yeah, <laughs> things that wouldn't be, <laughs> I mean, some of those are kind of unusual, but they'd be found in a Western orchestra in some way, shape yes. or form. But then when you go to the page of the instruments you play that aren't a part of that, the, you know, including like penny whistle, right? Cause you don't really hear a penny whistle in Beethoven or anything like that. Um, yeah. but it's, it's like, there's like three dozen, in, do you know how many instruments you, you play currently? <laughs> I have not counted in a while. Okay. I mean, there are a couple different numbers. There's the number of individual instruments and then the total, you know, physical flutes I have because, you know, I have a million penny whistles in different keys, a million sure. bonsuri in different keys. So I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there one that you, um, I'm sorry that some of these questions are really rudimentary, but I'm just so curious. Like, is there any one that you're like, hmm? I hope I don't have to play that one anytime soon or ever again, or. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say, you know, there's, there's no instrument that I would own and not want to play. Obviously uh, there are a couple <laughs> that I, that I cannot play. Um, and whenever anyone asks me, you know, it, to record it for them, I'll say, no, I'm a work in progress. Here is an actual player of this instrument you need to go to. Uh, like Shakuhachi is oh. probably my number one. I wish I could play it so badly. Mm. Um, it's very difficult. I need a teacher. I will do that eventually, <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot play it. <laughs> and yeah. I don't pretend that I can at all. Mm. Um, mm. Yes. And the, the Western instruments, I mean, it, depends on day to day. Sometimes I have bad clarinet days and I just don't want to look at it. <laughs> it's, it's so different from oboe. The voicing is just still foreign to me. Really? In terms of the yeah. way the keys lie on the instrument or? Keys, but mostly uh, voicing as in the way you, you know, position your, your embouchure and your, oh. your mouth and your throat and everywhere. Okay. You have to physically set yourself up to play it. It's, it feels a lot mm -hmm. different than playing the oboe does. I gotcha. And that was another question I had. I interviewed uh, the Game Brass uh, a few months ago nice. about their yep. newest album, uh, Brass Effect. <laughs> Those nerds. And uh, <laughs> I love them so much. We need to come up with the next pun for their next album. <laughs> exactly. It's a thing. Um, 
and uh, one of the Dannys, there are two Dannys, but one of the uh, Dannys plays horn and trombone. And, you know, it can be really difficult to go back and forth on instruments because when you play one instrument, you're developing a set of muscles for that instrument. And um, right. he said it took him about 10 years to really, really nail the sound between the two, which I'm sure it probably didn't take him that long, but maybe it did. I don't know. Um, but I'm just curious, uh, what kinds of changes did you notice in your oboe playing or did you notice anything or uh, how did you, how do you uh, work with that part of moving between all these instruments that do require different sets of facial muscles uh, to, to play and maybe different, all the things. All the things. Yeah. That's also a work in progress for me. I will not compromise any of my oboe English horn playing uh, whatsoever. So that is always first and foremost, what I work on. I mean, obviously what I do here, I have to play a whole lot of oboe and English horn. It's the other instruments that is uh, a challenge to juggle. One, because, of course, like you said, the embouchure is different. The sets of muscles you use are different. And second of all, I don't know which one I'm going to need from week to week. Right. Uh, because I get, you know, recording questions and gigs out of nowhere. Uh, there are only a few consistent uh, recordings that I will know are approaching within a week or so. And so I'll tell myself, okay, I really need to start playing some more flute. So I'm ready for this. Um, otherwise the tone is noticeably different. Um, oh. especially something like flute. If I don't keep those chops up, I sound more beginnerish <laughs> and less <laughs> like uh, my colleagues in the orchestra, which is not what I, I, where I want to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of a matter of picking from day to day. Okay. What am I going to focus on? Um, I guess, you know, long tones and exercises and all those fun things are a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't have a, a super clear answer because I'm not, you know, 10 years into, you know, seriously doubling on all of these instruments yet. <laughs> I can't tell you if I've succeeded or not. <laughs> part well, of it might be that I still don't, I, I'm still not, you know, skilled enough to be able to tell if I sound okay or not, which I hope that's not always the case. Um <laughs> But I'm not stopping at this point, so it's too bad. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you definitely shouldn't. <laughs> you definitely shouldn't. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that you you say, you know, I'm not willing to let my oboe or English horn playing change in any way. That's your, that's your main deal. Um, do you have time or any desire to teach as many symphony musicians do, right? I mean, right. but you're um, not that. <laughs> I am not that. And I used to teach, um, I probably more out of necessity or because people just assume that you should, mm -hmm. um, in school, when I had that time, I yeah. would do my classes and then I could use my professor's office as my, uh, my studio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was not very good at it <laughs> for one thing. <laughs> um, I enjoyed when, you know, students would come in and they'd figure something out or they'd have a good time playing. Uh, but because I was not good at it, I realized I did not want to be the reason that someone else did not want to practice or play the oboe or mm. want to go into lessons. I think that's much better suited for my friends who are good at that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, half the time, I don't even know what I'm doing. So once we get past a certain level um, on the instrument of, of skill, I am sort of clueless because I don't spend my time fine tuning my Mozart concerto or my Strauss or anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after a certain point, it's like, I don't know, sound fine, I guess. <laughs> Go practice some more. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, no, I, I don't teach in that more traditional sense. I do love at this point uh, talking to students. I've done a whole lot of that uh, in the last couple of years, actually. My my professor colleagues would have me come in and tell students about you know my career path and everything and how I got to this point. Um, I'm great at teaching read making because that's more objective, you know, steps oh, cool. and everything. There's there's less room for, you know personal interpretation of how to make a read like either it's working or it's not <laughs> right <laughs> so I also did that as part of my grad school studies I was a TA and so every Friday we would have read class and everyone else would come into the office and I'd teach that all day nice so Kristen is that how you ended up in Florida with school uh kind of um I went to University of Michigan for my undergrad and that's also where I grew up as Michigan and, and at that point yes okay yeah when I was finishing up uh, my undergrad, my dad got a job with Disney. And so okay. he had to make a decision right then and there. Do you want to move to Florida or California? And he picked Florida. And so then I was faced with a decision. Do I stay in Michigan where I have absolutely no money? Because um, I didn't because I was a college student. Or do I move to Florida where I have no friends? Oh, and God. I ended up... <laughs> Picking Florida because at the same time, the University of Florida oboe professor was looking for a TA mm. and uh, it was a fully funded with a stipend position. And so my plans of auditioning for USC were sort of gone in an instant. And wow. I ended up down there <laughs> because <laughs> I, they gave me money. Yeah, uh, And I mean, it ended up working out pretty well. After I graduated there, I started getting into the, the circle of local orchestras and everything. And mm -hmm working for Disney and all that. Oh, wow. So are your parents, obviously they're musical. Are they professional musicians or just? No. Okay. Okay. No, neither of them are professional. They're music appreciators. And of okay. course, they, like I said, they were in band through college and neither of them are professional. And they ended up with the two professional musician children. So okay. Oh yeah. Cause you said that. your brother, your brother <laughs> yes. was working. Now what does he do? He is a professor of horn at the University of Georgia. Oh, good Lord. Another really difficult instrument. Yes. The <laughs> two arguably hardest instruments to start on. Uh, right. He started on piano and then went to horn. Okay. So, okay. But yep. Oboe and horn. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. Do and, you at all remember the piece of music that you heard the oboe in that you're like, I want to, I like that instrument. I want to play the oboe. I don't actually. Okay. I wish I did. Yeah. I'm I wonder sure what it some, was. Some orchestral excerpt. Maybe I can ask my parents someday, see if they remember at all. Um, but of course, at that same time, I was listening to a lot of soundtracks. And so I would always pick out the oboe after that and go, I like this. I want to play that music. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember um, just growing up loving soundtracks as well, never uh, feeling like that would be my career path, which is funny because it sort of is now in, in, in a big way, but, um, but not the way that you do, right? So what are some of the soundtracks that, that you remember from childhood that really made you want to be a part of that musically? I mean, when I first started oboe, my absolute favorite composer was James Horner. Okay. And uh, yeah, one of my favorite scores of him was actually from the movie Balto in 1995, I think. Okay. Something like that. Um, um, but yeah. it was my introduction to his music and, you know, themes, repeated themes throughout his score. I just mm -hmm. absolutely love that. And he used a lot of oboe, English horn in his works. Um, and then, of course, you know, a lot of Disney scores I was always yep. a giant fan of. So all the, the you know, golden age of 
Disney movies and their soundtracks and Alan mm-hmm. Menken and Jerry Goldsmith and everything. So I listened to a whole mm-hmm. lot of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to, you know, playing in the symphony, clearly you still love doing that. Uh, of course. You know, and I mean, oboe and English horn, they're just so good. They're so good. And sometimes I say that's what I would play if I go back. Sometimes I do say clarinet. I'm sorry to say. Clarinet's uh, <laughs> uh, a good instrument. Horn, too, obviously. Like I, as mm-hmm. a trumpet player, often played horn sounding like a trumpet player. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just like oboe and English horn are so wonderful. And there's so many amazing examples of through through like so many eras of music, right? Like oboe's been around for a long time, oboe d'amore, all of those yes. things, oboe d'amore. And um, uh, do you have any favorites that you love playing? Like when, you know, Ravel gets whipped out or something like that? I mean, are you just like, yes. Oh, I mean, it's it's so cliche, but whenever New World Symphony gets programmed, oh, yeah. I get really, really excited. Um, I've played that so many times at this point with so many different groups, but it never yeah. gets old. It Big was, English that was horn also, solo in the second yep. slow movement of the Dvorak Nine, yes. That's right. And that was also one of those things that I had a, you know, oboe excerpt CD when I was 12 and I listened to it on repeat. Ah. And it was just this gorgeous recording of this, this solo. Mm. And I don't remember who performed it at that point point, but I wanted to do it. Scheherazade is another big favorite oboe solo. Rodrigo guitar concerto back to English horn. That second movement is a giant solo and I've played it a couple times. My favorite piece to play just overall is The Planets. And oh, I did that a couple of weeks ago with Orlando Phil. Nice. And at this point, whenever The Planets is programmed, they ask me to do bass oboe. So that's bringing <laughs> up the, the bass oboe again. It's, again, why I have it on my website is something I can do with enough advance notice because you have to rent that thing. Oh, I was going to say that must be, and that must be the same thing with the oboe de more, right? That's why you have an asterisk next next to those? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, I have two friends who own a de more, and okay. so I never have to get one myself because like they never play it. <laughs> they just <laughs> bought it and it sits around in a closet. Oh, so I can funny. easily call one of them up and say, mm-hmm. hey, I've got this 
gig. Can I borrow it? Yeah. And they let me do that. <laughs> yeah. Tell us the difference, if you would, between oboe and oboe de more. Are, there, are they in different keys? Yes. Oboe yeah. de more is in every way exactly halfway between an oboe and an English horn. Oh, all right. So oboe is in C, English horn's in F, oboe de more is in A. It looks like a baby English horn. It has a little tiny vocal um, at the top and the pear-shaped bell, um, but it's smaller. Okay. And it sounds like a cross between the two of them as well. Yeah. Slightly so, darker oboe. Yep. A little bit warmer than an oboe, a little bit brighter than an English horn. And I think, you know, if you poll anyone who says, I love English horn, they're going to say because of that full, warm, reedy sound that you can get from it, right? Right. The darker, melancholy mm-hmm. tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I always loved it even more than oboe. Wow. But yeah, it's kind of like you can't really be just a professional English hornist, can you? Right? <laughs> A very, very select few people can because okay. some of the bigger orchestras will have an audition for the English horn chair. Wow. And so that's all that person has to do is show up and play the English horn parts. Whereas mm-hmm. in most orchestras, you'll have your second chair oboe doubling on English horn. Right. Um, right. Amazing. But yeah, a couple of people can do just English horn. And that's why uh, whenever I take lessons from someone like Carolyn Hove, the English horn player of the LA Phil. Okay. Um, that was her specialty. And wow. so she would have only English horn masterclasses and we'd play only English horn excerpts. And it was great. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Clearly you must've had uh, uh, some kind of good relationship with your first teacher or something that, that really kept you going, huh? I mean, I like to think so. Um, yeah. yeah, my first teacher, the Detroit Symphony, actually English horn player of Detroit oh. Symphony, but she also <laughs> played some oboe. And uh, yeah, the the funny part is that none of my actual teachers played the English horn because, um, well, the, the, none of my teachers after her played the English horn. And then she didn't teach me English horn because I was too young. So oh, right. <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> so I never really got any you know proper English horn lessons until I was out of college and did the external Mm -hmm. master classes. Um, but yeah, so she obviously saw some potential in me to, to keep me as a student for a while. Although there was a a period in around seventh or eighth grade where I got temporarily kicked out of lessons because I didn't want to practice Oh, yeah, and I was just wasting her time. So I had to take a break and and reflect on my life choices. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually I came back. Um, but yeah, she, I got to actually reconnect with her after 20 some years, uh, very recently. Oh, cool. at the International Double Read Society Conference. And she's happy that I'm still playing and uh, succeeding relatively okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my band director, my sixth grade band director, the bassoon player too, I right. got to see her for the first time in 20 some years when I went to Michigan last month. Wow. And uh, same thing with her. Yeah. She encouraged a whole lot of people to stay in band. We had That's a really awesome. fun time That's really playing cool. good music and really positive learning environment. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, I asked you about, you know, some of the ones you maybe aren't as fond of, but I'm, I'm curious, especially of the uh, non-symphonic instruments, you know, your penny whistles and your, I mean, the show, which is a Japanese Mm -hmm. instrument that I'm so fascinated with. And I was like, oh my God, you play the show. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs) So what are some of the, those instruments that you really have just felt so grateful to to be playing and and have in your musical life. Yeah, well, you picked out you know a couple of the the top ones right away. I okay. love the penny whistles; they make me very happy to play. There's no reason <laughs> or there's no way to be sad really when you're right. playing a penny whistle, even if you're playing some sort of melancholy air. It's just mm-hmm. 
so nice. <laughs> whistles too. Um, I just love their tone. Mm. Um, the show is an instrument that I, I mean, of course, rarely get to play because I do not specialize in traditional Japanese court music or anything. Yeah. Um, but I first got my you know, first heavy dose of it uh, with the Okami soundtrack, which is my favorite video game of all time. Oh, and I would nice. just hear it in the background of mm -hmm. half of these tracks and thought this is the most gorgeous ethereal sound ever. Um, I'm obsessed with it. I mm -hmm. want to learn more about this instrument. And um, there are stores that will import instruments and, and sell them to, you know, people like me. <laughs> so I eventually picked one up so I could just, you know, enjoy it by myself rather than necessarily contribute to soundtracks with it, right. especially because it's not tuned in 440 either. It's, it's a 430. So you have to do some pitch adjusting Oh God! Uh, in software to blend it with Western instruments. No uh, kidding. But yeah, I okay. love that one. Uh, I'm looking around my room, trying to remind myself of, of what Is I the have. Show, do you um, have the show in there? It's in that cabinet back there. So do you mind pulling to... it out? Is that is that a problem? It would take a few minutes to, oh, to okay. bring it out. I could do Don't it later, worry. though. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. Not at all. Yeah. No, it's, not at all. Yeah, open up that cabinet. It's just a pile of cases and stuff, <laughs> but I can bring it out later. Uh, the Fuyara, which is the Slovakian overtone flute, my largest, oh. which being um, as tall as I am, is a really fun instrument to play. Wow. Um, is it? It must be uh, not transverse. How it must be a flute. I can show you a, a tiny one. Yeah, do it. Do it. And by tiny, I mean only like a four feet one. long instead oh of God. six. Wow. This is my smallest one. Okay. So you've got the thipple, like a recorder or a whistle right here. Yeah. Um, and then the mouthpiece is right here. Your three finger holes are here and it's all based off of the overtone system. So mm -hmm. you get your whole scale through that. Amazing. And then <laughs> yeah, my largest one is, you know, twice as tall as this one. <laughs> Incredible. And were those imports as well? Uh, yes, a maker in Slovakia. Okay. Um, I commissioned him separately three different times. And the first one was specifically for a video game. And the other two were because I wanted more keys. <laughs> so they've only been sort of used here and there so far. Mm -hmm. Which score did you commission the first one for? Darksiders Genesis. Oh, Gareth. Gareth Coker, yes. right? with Gareth a number of times, Ori in the Will of the Wisps, Immortal, Phoenix Rising. Is that, are those the three that you've worked with him on? Oh, and yes, the Minecraft um, stuff. The yeah. Minecraft stuff, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, almost everything he's been working on since Ori 2 and everything. That's very cool. Um, I have some 
sort of flutes hiding in the background, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I imagine for something, especially like Ori, you probably played many instruments for him, yes? I think it was 21 instruments for Ori. Oh, my and God. so most of them were sort of the soundscape instruments. So I did essentially a whole uh, sample library for him, personalized Ori sample library of a whole wow. bunch of instruments playing different phrases and different keys and different rhythms and, and fun patterns and stuff. We did have an entire session um, for more Fuyara where I just got to do what I wanted. <laughs> nice. um, and then the others were uh, melody instruments, um, which were sometimes added sort of towards the end of the, the score production. And sometimes they were proof of concept where he would uh, draft up a piece and want that one live instrument to help sell the track to the devs. Sure. Show them, hey, yeah, this is what it's going to be. It's going to sound good. You're going to like it. And then, you know, other composers that I, I mentioned, even though I didn't mention their names, but games of them, obviously, Jason Graves, another yes. big one. We just uh, talked about Moss 2. I just, um, well, we'll get to Austin in a minute, but but um, <laughs> you've worked with uh, with uh, Jason on Moss 1 and 2. And yes. then what other Jason games have you done? Have, have there been other Jason games? There have been yet? a few. Okay. A few tracks from uh, other projects of his, but okay. it was sort of a, here's a track record it. There it goes. Mm -hmm. um, I hope he doesn't get mad at me for not remembering exactly what it was, but <laughs> Moss, Moss 1 and 2 were, were sort of the, the big ones. Yeah. Very, very special games. Yeah. And again, probably several instruments that you played for each. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, mostly the higher woodwinds. Although okay. Moss 2 had a few extra instruments. We added the bass clarinet and the bassoon. Oh, that's um, right. Which, yes. which you talked about already, so I don't yes. have to repeat myself. And, yeah. and the penny whistles. Yep, the penny whistles. So, so good. Oh, my God, I love that. Austin, of course. Um, now that episode we just released, you and I are talking only th three or four days after that episode got released, but, um, or was that McLean recent? I can't even remember what's come out recently. <laughs> Austin has come uh, out recently, I will say that. Uh, yeah, Aliens. <laughs> Aliens, uh, yes. Because he only just got to release that soundtrack properly. Right. And, uh, you know, the oboe work in there is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and that's something I've I've maybe neglected to say this whole time is that it's, it's uh, you know, and I think this is very much worth saying is that it's not just that 10 years ago you happen to be this you know, mediocre musician putting up video game covers. You're like, you have such a beautiful tone and um, uh, such, uh, you know, just good musicianship, right? Like, oh, you just, the way you. <laughs> you play a lyrical line is just really beautiful and powerful. And um, 
So I wanted to make sure that that gets said. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, of course. And and in Aliens, you know, much like all of those scores I, I listed, you can hear that really, really well. I love the story that Austin tells in that interview about how you sent him a video a decade ago of you playing Nascence, the journey theme, on English horn, and he didn't see it for whatever reason. And then he found you somehow, or I can't remember exactly how, how that story concludes, but just that huh. you eventually got connected and um, uh, that, you know, you've worked on many projects with him as well now. Yeah. Yeah, we'd need a whole episode just to talk about Austin and, and all of his projects and all of his adventures. Um, no, I, I don't remember at all him not discovering it. In fact, I remember that he almost instantly found it as soon as I tweeted it and tagged him because he was oh, on funny. Twitter okay. pretty often. Okay. Um, but I think he didn't start talking to me that much until later on I did a cover from Horn, a mobile game that yep. I guess not very many people paid attention to. And yeah. I liked that one because, I mean, it started in Ocarina. So how common is that? <laughs> <laughs> Did I see I Ocarina I on your list? Do you have Ocarina? I do have Ocarina, okay. yes. <laughs> I <laughs> love that I you put Kazoo on there, too. That's a nice time. <laughs> It counts. Of course I'm pretty sure I've recorded it professionally. Uh, But yeah, I don't get asked for the ocarinas too often because they're so heavily tied to Zelda that people are sort of shying away from using them in video games. Mm, Bummer. Um, But they come in different sizes and and shapes and everything. So they're they're very cool instruments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like when I do get to play them. Yeah. So you did a horn cover and that's that's maybe perhaps when your professional relationship with Austin got kicked off. I think so. That Mm -hmm. sounds about right. I mean, this was... 10 years ago, so. Right, right. Something like that. I know. And I mean, I, I don't I don't even know all the Austin projects, but I do know that Abzu, Abzu, I can't, I never get it right. Abzu. Abzu, I guess. Yeah, uh, it, that's very heavily you, isn't it? I mean, that's a very hardcore oboe situation happening in that soundtrack. Yeah, uh, to this day, I'm just shocked that he wanted to so quickly trust me with that soundtrack because that pitch for Abzu happened not too, you know, late after my YouTube covers. Mm. Um, he had reached out and said, "So I want to pitch this track to the the devs of this game. I would like to have a live oboe instead of a sample oboe. Could you record one line?" And this was in 2013. Okay, and I was just frozen in my seat. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is actually happening. Um, And I said, yeah, I'll do this. And I recorded the line and sent it back. And uh, months later, he reaches out again. We obviously weren't talking all that much. And he said, oh, by the way, they liked it. Would you like to play oboe for the entire game? And uh, that's how that happened. And he Mm -hmm. continued on to tell me that the oboe would function in Abzu. It didn't have a name at that point, uh, much the same way that the cello did in Journey. Okay. So that is what it ended up being.
that point, I decided, oh gosh, I have to upgrade my equipment because I was using my <laughs> my ten dollar earbuds from Target, my little built in computer mic, and I thought, oh no, I need to actually sound okay for this. Wow, um, you still so, were using your computer mic for even those covers? Yeah, it was it was mono. It was terrible. <laughs> I thought it was okay at the time, and apparently other people did too. Uh, but it was it was finally time to get some real recording equipment. again, as a music student, uh, I remember being constantly encouraged to record myself and listen to myself back in practice, which I never once did. Never, never. Same here. Never. (laughs) Now, I mean, for radio, I hear myself all the time. And there is no question that it made me better at interviewing and better at being on the air and all those things. So yeah, they're Mm -hmm. right, but I still never did it. So when you started doing that, I mean, because obviously you have to do that now. You're probably hearing yourself all the time, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, what was that adjustment like for you? And what did you learn about yourself from doing that? Yeah, and I was finally learning what I should have back when they told me to record myself and I did not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Although to be fair, it was much more of a pain back then because I had to, you know, check out a Zoom recorder or whatever, a mini disc recorder and go to some sort of practice room and and play that and then get that file back and do all that nonsense. And now I can just push record and and instantly hear it on my computer. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, no, it's it's taught me a lot about... uh, how I phrase things for one thing. Um, it's sort of validated what other people, other previous teachers have said about my playing. I mean, I can immediately think of some who have said, you know, I don't think you're expressive enough on this or your vibrato is doing this. Or, and I didn't really hear it. I didn't, mm-hmm. I only had their word. Um, but now that I can hear it for myself, it's like, oh yeah, they were actually right about all the stuff they were telling me. Yeah. I should have listened. <laughs> And of course, it's a great uh, listening exercise and tuning exercise, uh, which is something that's not always easy to do in a live setting. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice when I have a a backing track of like, you know, the London Philharmonia or something, because they know what they're doing. So if anything sounds bad, it's definitely me. And, you know, this is another thing that that brings up all this instrument switching because instruments have their own idiosyncrasies with how they're expected to be heard too, right? Like oboe, you expect to hear a lot of really 
um, vibrant vibrato, right? I mean, it's just a part of the instrument or even trumpet. Mm -hmm. French horn, not so much. You don't play horn, so that's okay. But also clarinet is a really good example of one. You just don't really hear people do that. Depends on the style and and all kinds of things. But, you know, in an orchestra setting, it's it's unusual. So, um, you know, I guess talk to me a little bit about that. You know, it's not just learning how to make a sound and play the right fingers in the right place. It's like getting those characteristics right too. And I assume that's one of the things that might be hardest about shakuhachi, but I'd just love to hear you talk about that. Uh, yeah, that's a, a good point. I do like clarinet because I don't have to worry about vibrato. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people do add it in and I actually have um, used it very, very sparingly in some tracks before, like in Chicory, I do recall putting okay. in just very, very subtle vibrato sometimes, uh, mm. but for the most part, I don't have to. is deciding what kind of sound you personally like. There's so much that's subjective about instrument tone and phrasing and those idiosyncrasies and stuff. Um, so if I like what my friend sounds like with you know, a certain wide vibrato or narrow vibrato, I will try and imitate that to the best of my ability. Mm. And there's a lot that just comes with time and practicing. Um, even like the way you produce vibrato is different from flute to oboe. Mm-hmm. Um, so figuring that out has been, you know, its own adventure. <laughs> right. Because with oboe, you can use your jaw more, right? Is that, or do you use, how do you no, do it with oboe? It's mostly diaphragm, some throat and flute. It's very much throat vibrato. Oh, uh, saxophone is jaw vibrato. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So see there, you're, that's all these different instruments have different ways of producing a similar effect even. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. And duduk is another, you know, you use your jaw for that and you puff out your cheeks when you play, which I don't do on any other instrument. Right. So why do you think, so does that just create the sound in a different way? It makes a different chamber for the air. So it must. It does. Just, yep. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then I the mean, instruments where you circular breathe are another deal altogether. Ooh, <laughs> name some of those. I mean, Duduk, um, you're supposed to circular breathe. Really? Uh, and I am not good at that. <laughs> I can do it on oboe, and that's about it. it. Oh, yeah. I couldn't even very well do it on trumpet. Sometimes it depended on the mm. range and all kinds of things. But circular breathing, that's complex. And Duduk, it seems like such a, um, I don't mean this negatively, but like a violent vibrato, right? It's such a wide situation. It is wide. You know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Amazing. There's always so much to work on all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But that keeps keeps it interesting. (laughs) I'm sure it does. Um, Would you say, Kristen, that you play uh, oboe or English horn every day? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. And uh, whether or not I should is another issue altogether. Well, yeah, we don't have to go there, but uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of my friends do. Um, I am convinced that some of the reasons that I love all the instruments right now so much is because I don't 
force myself to play them every day. <laughs> I take breaks. I switch around. Um, yeah. I let myself, if I don't want to make reads or, mm-hmm. or play the oboe, like I'll just go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have avoided a lot of the bitterness that I see in other musicians who are symphony players with one horn and day-to-day Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. Some people, yeah. that's what they're made for, and that's great. I'm right. so happy that there are people that can do that yes. uh, for a living, but I'm not one of them. Some, some more of the composers that you've worked with that you're, you know, um, I, I don't know. Just I know that Lena Rain, you mentioned Chicory and um, one of Lena's other games, right? Moonglow Bay was yep. after Chicory and also Sackboy. She did a menu track that I got to contribute to. Okay. And a few random scattered album tracks as well um, that I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, but Chicory, of course, was super special to me because it's a puppy with a paintbrush. And those are two <laughs> things that are right up my alley. <laughs> and All the right. music is so charming. The game is so charming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more people need to give it a chance because on the surface level, it just looks like coloring book um, but it's actually a game about imposter syndrome which a lot of us can relate to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway super fun soundtrack and I had a great time working on it I mean, Austin and Gareth will pop up pretty much all the time. <laughs> I can't go to a conference without someone approaching me and talking to me about one of them. <laughs> um, yep. Lena, Jason. I mean, the list is actually pretty endless at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will Roger, you've worked with him a lot. Will Roger, and, which mm-hmm. was technically the very first game release. Um, with, that was Temple of Osiris yep, yep. Um, because of meeting him at MAGFest in twenty. 20- 13 or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very and cool. yeah, that story I like to tell people because it was a matter of just meeting people who like the music you do. It was the last day of MAGFest. It was two in the morning. I had to catch a taxi at like five or something ridiculous because wow. I had an early flight. And I heard music coming from a hotel room and I wandered in and there was a vibraphone just like in a hotel room. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this is fun. Uh, it was a group of people just standing around playing Zelda music. And mm-hmm. at that point, it was my first MAGFest. I didn't really have much on me except a little recorder I packed in my bag for who knows what reason. So uh, <laughs> a couple of friends and I sat down with this random group of people that we sort of invited ourselves into mm-hmm. and played Zelda music with them, just jammed for a little while. And I was standing next to the only other woodwind player was playing a flute. Uh, we did not speak a single word to each other. But at the very end, when I had to go, he gave me his business card and said, you know, it was great to meet you. Yeah. And uh, months later, he messaged me and it was 
it was Will. And he said, hey, you play the oboe, right? Um, I've got this game that I'm working on. It'd be great if you could record some lines. Nice. And that's how that happened. Literally just a jam session at MAGFest at two in the morning. Nothing to do with you know, networking or or any of the sort. Right. Just having fun. Right. And that game was also something I did with, you know, my laptop and a plug-in mic. Wow. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, I kind of wish I could go back and, and redo it with my current setup, but right? it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Zelda your first video? Do you remember what you posted first? It was in my very first YouTube video, uh, Zelda Skyward Sword. It was yep. Fi's theme on like low whistle and oboe or something. I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> and then you go back and listen to that. It's like really badly recorded. It's drenched <laughs> in like free reverb. Love and it. And everything that I thought was great at the time. Right. <laughs> free reverb. I love that. Uh, free reverb. Yep. Free verb, exactly. So what made you choose uh, to cover games and not ga- not film at that time? I mean, what, what kind of, because that's, talk about a really smart decision too. Not that people shouldn't do film covers, but I mean, the video game yeah, well, remix uh, community, yeah. So how did that happen? A couple different reasons. Uh, one is that overall video game tracks are a lot shorter. <laughs> So it's a lot easier to uh, express a thought and uh, put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, second of all, there were so many choices um, for tracks that did not have live instruments involved. Um, ah. So it was pretty easy to just take something that I liked and replace the synth or MIDI or whatever it was with a live instrument and go, mm-hmm. well, at least now it's different. <laughs> this is what I wanted to do. I like this one. Yeah. Um, but also I'm a gamer. I've always played games. And so of course that's always been a part of my, you know, upbringing and my musical tastes and everything. Um, I mean, it started when I was three or four and my dad got us an Atari. And so we played the old Atari games and now I've got, you know, way too many consoles for (laughs) my own good. And I still ignore most of them. (laughs) Right. I know that's always the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. But also I, at this point, at that point when I started, I consumed a lot more games than I did movies, TV, anything else. So I was more emotionally invested in the music too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I kind of still am. Yeah. I mean, I love soundtracks and everything, but I'm super happy I ended up over in this corner. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And it's a very special corner and it's, it's like Mm -hmm. the world's best kept secret really. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you know, you mentioned in those early years, just like not having the best equipment I mean when did that start changing did you just start piecing things together you said your parents helped with the studio or I'm just yeah how did that work well it was I mean Abzu was when I suddenly had to go oh wait a minute I should probably do something about this little setup yeah (laughs) because I managed with Temple of Osiris and maybe a couple small things then and Mm -hmm. there but that was a a sort of turning point decision where I thought, you know what, I think I do want to commit to recording stuff. And uh, so I had to go through all the researching by myself, um, which involved Googling, you know, what microphones are good for woodwinds and turning up absolutely nothing. Really? Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. There's no information really out there, um, especially not 10, 12 years ago, whatever this was. 
Yeah. And so a lot of it was uh, trial and error in picking a, a nice, you know, moderately priced microphone, which mm-hmm. I think the upgrade was an Audio Technica. Okay. Um, which ended up working quite well and and everything. And uh, I guess what really did it for me was adding a second microphone so mm. that I was able to record in stereo. And yeah. I guess you can't see off screen. I've got the the um, dual mic set up and then a sound shield behind them to sort of get rid of some of the reflections. Mm-hmm. And that's done me pretty well for a long time. Wow. Yeah. But a lot of trial and error. So it, felt nice to be able to help people in recent years who would come to me and go, how do I get started? Um, how do I, you know, do all this? Because then they didn't have to yeah. go through the same amount of pain and suffering that I did when right. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> right. I mean, cause now if you need how to do anything, you just type it into YouTube. Oh and yeah. You're like, Endless oh, that's resources. how to do that. Yeah. And it's just yeah. not that way trying to think what I was talking about the other day that was something rather obscure. And I was like, I'm sure if I looked it up on YouTube right now, there's probably seven different choices of videos telling me how to do this, you know, and a decade ago, that was not the case, right? Exactly. And that helps me with the instruments too, because there are so many tutorials out there. And of course, you can tell the difference between the legitimate ones and the, you know, not so much. Right. (laughs) But there's still plenty of people who are masters at their instrument who are providing these free resources and it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Well, Kristen, through this whole chat, you know, the audio podcast version of this chat is going to be just absolutely full of samples of you playing um, from, you know, everybody's soundtracks and uh, all all of those things. Uh, So I strongly encourage people to, you know, if you haven't listened to Ori in a minute or any of these things, go back and listen and, um, you know, pay attention to, to Kristen's playing. But um, beyond those things, what are some things about, uh, you know, maybe you, let's start there. What are some, some, some things that, that you really would like people to, to know about your, your playing or your career? Oh, gosh. I didn't know that would be a question. <laughs> I know. That's a big question, isn't it? I kind of surprised myself with that one, to be honest. <laughs> right. Because usually this is the answer to that. When other people ask, what do you want us to know about your playing? I get to tell them about the video game music and, and everything. <laughs> right. Well, um, maybe that's the answer then. <laughs> that, that could be. I mean, mostly I tell people about having a balance of different areas of music and getting to explore everything. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I have this career that I do because I'm interested in so many different areas of music. Yeah. And, uh, also, like I said, I've been doing a lot of talks with students and they ask, how do you get into this? And it comes down to making friends with people who like the same music as you do. Right. That's really what's gotten me here. So I like to make that point point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'll think of something really cool and insightful uh, once we're done. Right. <laughs> Exactly. You can tweet me or something. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then with no, regards I, to, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say um, the variety is what, you know, gives me life. I love playing new music all the time mm-hmm. and getting to uh, record for something that might end up being the favorite music of so many people in the future. Right. And my favorite music too. I love the idea that a lot of my ultimate favorite soundtracks don't exist yet. They have to be written. Right. I can't wait to see what they are. <laughs> well, and also you get you get insight, right? I mean, I'm sure you have to sign NDAs and and stuff to to so that you're not talking Sometimes about I these do, projects. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're getting insight into some of these games that everybody can't wait to hear yeah. the music. And you're like, yeah, I recorded that six months ago. 
or something. <laughs> that does happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I remember this. In the case of something like uh, Multiverses that came out not too long ago, I looked at the recordings and it was like one, two years back. And oh, wow. I remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and they all have different code names at the the at that time. And it depends on who I'm working right. for. Sometimes they're more uh, freely giving with information about the games and other times. It's just like, here's the queue. It's labeled M04. Right. I need it back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I, I kind of have the same question, but with regards to oboe and English horn, um, you know, uh, in music school, oboe gets kicked around a lot, a lot of oboe jokes. And I think there's a lot of all of kinds of instrument jokes. You know, you can make just as many jokes about trumpet players and horn players and, you know, viola players and whatnot. But um, <laughs> but I'm curious what you would like people to know, because, you know, there are a lot of people who hear an oboe and can't say this is an oboe. So, um, you know, maybe what what's, what's something you want people to know about uh, those two very special instruments? Oh gosh, besides the reed making being a huge time commitment. <laughs> huge time uh, no, commitment. I mean, all I can say is I encourage people to, you know, take up the instrument they want to play. I don't let other people discourage you from playing something like the oboe or the English horn. It's frustrating to me that nowadays they will try and get you to start on a quote unquote easier instrument like the flute or clarinet or something, mm-hmm. uh, which they're fantastic instruments. But if you want to play the oboe, play the oboe. Right. <laughs> We're, there's so many of us. And I mean, we do have the, the stereotype of the, you know, high strung uh, oboe player, high maintenance, kind of grouchy. Uh, but we're, in my experience, at least a great community because we all picked this frustratingly difficult instrument. So all we have is each other to get through this career. We su- we're supportive of one another for the most part. Yes, indeed. And, That's... Yep. So I wouldn't trade that for anything. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? I seriously, I just want to nerd out with you for another hour, but that seems oh, unreasonable. I, know. I, can't believe it's, <laughs> I can't believe it's over already. We'll have to do this I again. I know, <laughs> I know. We definitely will. Um, but just, uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart and and so many people who have heard you play, thank you for uh, 10 years ago just being like, I'm going to put these up on YouTube, burp, 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 <laughs> and then just building this illustrious career out of it. Um, it's been such well, a pleasure to hear your name dropped left and right over the years. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It does seem unreal to me just every single day that I get to do this. And if we had more time, I could easily get into each and every one of my collaborators and how much I absolutely adore them and their music (laughs) and how grateful I am for them giving me a chance to assist them with their, Mm -hmm. I mean, these are their big projects through their children or whatnot. And so letting me help with that is something I never thought I would get to do, but here I am. (laughs) It's just incredible. Yeah. Well, and two, I don't mean to keep going here, but, uh, uh, (laughs) you know, I know that they obviously value your input as, as the professional person on these instruments, you know, you know, being, and and many times they probably already are well-versed in the capabilities of oboe, but I know that, um, you know, your expertise on how a line works and doesn't work maybe, uh, is, is really valuable as well. Yeah, that's something I also like to do. And I encourage composers and young composers that that have a question or something to reach out to a player because no one knows better than the person who's playing that instrument. And uh, I mean, we're not too scary. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't expect composers to be born knowing everything about every instrument. I just have so much respect for people who write music and, and have to navigate all of that. 
Um, but I have a great time teaching people about you know the little details that you might not get in a book mm-hmm. uh, that you read at school or something. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you for everything and loved talking with you today. And we will definitely yes, do likewise. this again. We'll do this so again. So glad soon. we finally got to. Me too. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you. Recording stopped. Okay. Well, uh, this is an addition because as soon as we hit stop, <laughs> uh, I heard about another awesome project that that you just did. So um, yeah, tell tell us about that one. <laughs> yes, I got to record for God of War Ragnarok. Amazing. Um, yeah, the PlayStation team of composers reached out to me. I guess we were talking about how, oh, I'll record something six months, a year, two years before it comes out. Uh, that was the deal. I don't remember actually when I got to do this, um, but they contacted me for a four hour session, which included maybe a handful, seven, eight cues okay. um, for the game. And some of them are cutscenes, and some of them are diegetic music. So you'll hear oh. like a tavern brawl with recorders playing at the same time. Yes. And uh, that's me. <laughs> Awesome. And what other instruments did you play? It was, yeah, recorders and whistles were the primary uh, selections. And then the cutscenes had additional, you know, English horn, alto flute, that sort of thing. Awesome. A couple orchestral colors to add into it. Okay. Very cool. And that was a lot. That was a, that was a very intense session. Very, very fun though. (laughs) Was it, was it intense because it was such a short amount of time or? Yeah, it was all at once, four hours and live monitored by the PlayStation oh, team. Wow. So I had a whole room of people that I could see on my computer at the same time and they were listening and it would go back and forth. Okay, could you do this? Okay, could you try this line again? A little bit more dynamic contrast or et cetera. Oh, yeah, that would be, that'd be almost like a jury in college, right? Where you're standing before the panel <laughs> and of. like delivering your solo and getting critiqued by it. Yes, Amazing. except they all seemed very happy with everything that was, you know, being recorded. So it wasn't Good. stressful or anything. It was just very long. <laughs> I love the implication that in college they would not have been very happy with what was going on. You're like, yes, except these people were happy with what they were hearing. Like, <laughs> yes. Of, I mean, you can imagine professors after an entire day of sitting behind a desk listening to juries. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, just the word, even hearing it not in the same context, that word gives me a stomachache. <laughs> same uh, here. <laughs> yeah. And then you said something else too, and I don't want to presume that we can record about that, but you said you're going to add something to your website next week, which this will post after that. So can we talk about that one too? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, season four of The Dragon Prince on Netflix. That oh, series. cool. Okay. See, because I didn't even talk to you about any film or TV stuff that you No, done. just games. Right. Um, so, But I'm excited. A, yeah. I get excited when I actually have heard of something that people reach out to me to. <laughs> yeah, I am playing woodwinds on that score. Uh, every episode has a combination of flute, clarinet, and duduk. Oh, nice. Which, you know, Love that. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I've been working on that with with Freddie and and company for however many months. And it's finally out next week. So video games happened first, though, before film and TV? Oh, I mean, compared to video games, there's barely any film or TV whatsoever. Those are just a couple outliers. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's been pretty much all video games and maybe a couple student projects and short films and everything. Okay. There's still like- I swear there's still like eight or 10 things on that list though. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it still does pale in comparison to the giant list of video game credits that you have. Yes. So, all right. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for the little addition. <laughs> well, that's it. <that>, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm forgetting something too. Cause 
I mean, you know, like we said before I hit stop the first time and then right after I hit stop the first time, we could do this all afternoon. Like we could this. I, I just I I literally have such a respect for oboe and English horn. English horn always been a favorite. And it's just like just those two things. Like it doesn't matter if you played the other 76 instruments that you play. Like I, I could just talk to you about oboe and English horn all day. I'm like, so let's talk yeah. about the lark ascending. Have you ever played the lark ascending? Let's, let's talk right. about that. You know, it's like, oh, it's ridiculous. How about Wagner? How about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Do you have favorite classical composers? Uh, Respighi, Shostakovich, oh. Dvorak, Barber. Okay. Uh, those like romantics you know, and post. Yeah, I'm not so and... much a classical era okay. or even Baroque. Baroque can be fun in doses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but once it is... starts getting more like you know film music. <laughs> yep, yep. There's which is the Brandenburg? Is it two that has the oboe and trumpet or something oh, I like think that? So. Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some good ago, Baroque there was... stuff. Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, and of course that's where all the Demore stuff happens. Is right, Baroque. Right. Yeah. Or Bolero. That's it. That's or all you Bolero. need it for. <laughs> Either 1690 or <laughs> maybe not 1690, but yeah, or 1904, or whenever that was. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's why I don't own one. Because <laughs> I don't right. need to. <laughs> all right. All maybe right. Maybe someday. Well, I would love that if you owned it, just so you could show it to, you could just set all three up on the table, be like, here's the baby, not the baby. Yes. Because well, I have yeah. taken photos of all four of them when I had okay. the Demore and the bass oboe in my possession at the same time. Oh, I suppose that doesn't happen all the time, does it? That you have does not. No. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember why I had all four of them. Oh god! I recently just yeah, I had to give back the bass oboe after the planets. Um, but the person I rent from, or at least direct the orchestra to rent from, uh, yeah. we're on good terms, so she often lets me keep it far past the rental agreement. And so I was like, hey, composers, does anyone need a bass oboe in your score? Because no one ever uses this thing. Yeah. And two people took me up on it. So now wow. there's going to be bass oboe in uh, John Everest's upcoming score, which oh, cool. I don't know what it's called, but he just went to Abbey Road for the rest of it. Wow. Um, and then Minecraft Legends with Crispin Hands. Like there's a couple okay. bass oboe lines in there. It's Amazing. not much, but I mean, it's... I got to do something with it. Yeah. <laughs> So bass oboe must have a vocal as well, obviously. It does, yeah. And it's more of a S-shaped curly vocal. It's like okay. a baby bassoon vocal. Okay. <laughs> and it's very awkwardly built. Um, it's very big and it's okay. very heavy. <laughs> really? Yeah, I bet. That reminds Amazing. me, I actually did do a video, because uh, usually when I get a hold of the bass oboe, I do some sort of recording or video to post online. And I never got around to it this time because when I had it, the hurricane happened. So oh, I have geez. all those files on my computer. I have to just organize them into one video. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You're in the Orlando area, right? Yes. So you escaped the bulk yeah, of... Although yeah. Orlando yeah. itself actually got hit harder than we imagined it would it's just flooding everywhere uh but since i personally live on a hill i don't deal with flooding so it was just a couple nights of being very very loud and i could not record i had to tell my clients i can't do anything today because the wind is deafening wow (laughs) and the power might go out (laughs) wow now growing up in the midwest did you ever have any tornado experiences i don't know if michigan gets a lot of that do you i mean we had tornado drills those were pretty common in schools and stuff but i never had to uh, you know sit through one an actual tornado had more of those down here than in Michigan. Right. What a change. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so grateful. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that you were spared uh, a lot of damage uh, personally um, through through that experience. Sorry it prevented yeah. you from recording. Well, I mean... Also, nothing like a hurricane to remind me that most of my instruments are not insured. <laughs> Like, I should probably do something about that. But on the other hand, it would cost so much to insure oh, all of God, these. Right. So I, don't know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I have to oh. ask someone, like, I have to finally, you know, get a hold of Chris Bleth or something and be like, how do you do this? How You're do who you I want to be. How do you do this? <laughs> so. Amazing. All right. Well, this time we'll call it for good. <laughs> okay. I guess so. <laughs> but uh, as we have said offline and we will now say online, we're going to do this again. Um, and Excellent. keep in touch and, and all the things about all the projects. Yeah. Yes. All the things. I look forward to it. Even just chatting like this. I, I enjoy it. So Likewise. if you want to chat oboe, I'm here. <laughs> awesome. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> I mean, I'm an oboe player, so that's true. not going to be a problem. <laughs> that's true. You're exactly right. You're like, please, no, that is exactly yeah. what I wish for. No, that's what I do <laughs> every day. Call me and talk Almost to me about day. oboe. Yeah. No. Uh, let's talk about false no fingerings. Else cares. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Kristen Nagus, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with Kristen on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our new videos. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Recording stopped. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.